Am I making any sense? All right, here we are. Another episode of Am I Making Sense? I have with me today my buddy, the CEO of Zoom Comedy, Jordan Liam. <laughs> what's up, Jordan? <laughs> hey, what's up? Good to so, be here. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm glad. It's very, we just talked about it. It's very, mm. is the word ironic or um, interesting? Yeah. When we scheduled this, we had no intention of doing a Zoom podcast, right. obviously. And yeah. then everything happened. So the past however many podcasts have been over Zoom. But you're okay. doing tons of Zoom comedy rooms. So yeah. what I wanted to know was, uh, I think we went to shelter in place on the 15th of March. So that mm -hmm. was already basically two months ago. When did you right. start doing Zoom comedy? And what gave you the idea? Did you Was it just a natural thing like, oh yeah, this is our only option, so I'm gonna do it? Um, I think what happened was, yeah, I actually did my first show around that time. Uh, I think I just kind of saw what was coming, so I knew we had to adapt. Um, one of my friends, one of my friends actually was the one that gave me the idea, but he was telling me about how they do Zoom happy hours at his work. And this yeah. was also kind of around that time, very early on. I just asked him like, wait, so you can have like 10 people all kind of like live reacting at the same time and that's okay. And he's like, yeah, like our happy hours are pretty big. So that kind of gave me the idea because obviously the, the big part of standup is like the laughter feedback, right? Yeah, like it's kind of important. Way. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's a little like, bit important. That's like five. Um, so that was just like the most natural thing that can't say, well, like Zoom, you can react, right? So yeah. me and my friend, the happy hour, and he doesn't do comedy at all, but he's just a good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, we just hopped on the Zoom meeting and asked a couple of friends to go on and like, it like kind of worked. So just kind of rolled with it there. But yeah, it was like, that was like early on. I was trying to find the date. It was like March. I feel like it was that week. I want to say it yeah. was that week. Yeah, I did like a pilot or whatever, like the first Sunday. And then I was like, yeah, this works. I'm going to try and do it. Yeah, March 15th, I guess. That was when I did it. <laughs> oh, damn. That was, I yeah. think that was, because the Friday before was Friday the 13th. And that sticks in right. my mind. Because it was like, mm. oh, Friday the 13th. And that was the day my kids... We picked right. them up and the school said, we're shutting down. <laughs> like, oh, you gotta just, okay. you gotta right. homeschool these kids. And then the 15th yeah. is when Santa Clara, Contra Costa, Alameda, they all just right. said, we're done. We're shutting yeah. down. Right. So yeah, it was crazy. It just happened. But... So you could, you could probably say you are one of the first uh, people to take stand-up comedy to Zoom. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I advertise my show as that. I'm pretty sure it's probably the longest, longest, longest running. Yeah. By like a week or something, but technically yeah. it is. So that's cool. So what have you been noticing? Have you been noticing it's getting more popular and more people are joining? Um, I mean, I'm definitely noticing a lot of people are starting their own shows. Okay. Um, but at least for mine, I think it's starting to build up a little bit more consistency over the past maybe like two weeks or so because the first week was good because i guess there was like a novel yeah see the second week or third week was like kind of lagging off a little but now it's like okay 
I don't have to like actively advertise it that much and people still come. So that's yeah. nice. Well, I think there's probably a lot of comics like myself mm-hmm. who I was like, oh, I'll just rest during this time. Yeah. And I won't really do, but now I'm realizing this time, like, right. like this time, this time isn't going to be a month. Obviously it's already right. two months. And I still yeah. don't think where we practice stand up normally are going to be back mm-hmm. online. Right. It could be four or five more months. It could be six right. months. Right. So it's like, we got to go to zoom meetings because right. there's no, what Scratch else you're going to write? Itch, jokes. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? Have six months worth of jokes. Yeah. Well, this and was then, from uh, April. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like you tell it's December. You're like, yeah, well, uh, Easter guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got Easter right around the corner. And I it's do November. Think it's, yeah. I do think like comedy is like not, it's not high on the list of things that people want back. Like people no. are protesting like, haircuts and gyms and stuff and like sure like I feel like comedy's pretty low on that list well and what's your opinion just about any kind of spectator thing whether it be concerts sports comedy i think all of that right. people aren't going to care about for a long right. time right especially like the risk reward type thing that's like at least at least clubbing is like i might get laid or something right <laughs> Like, I might catch the corona with my dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like just being audience at a comedy show, that's just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty low. Even as a fan of comedy, that's pretty low on my list of things yeah. I want that. Yep. No, that's so true. It's sad, but it but it is true. I uh I don't know. I think for me, I'll probably what I was saying is. I was going to be the N plus one wave of comedians, uh-huh. meaning whatever right. day I'll be, the one will be a month, whatever day they say, right. okay, we're opening up the open mics again. Then one month from then I'll be like, yeah, Hey, just in <laughs> but, case. yeah, but you know what? Now I'm not, yeah. I'm going to be the first day guy because <laughs> I think, and I don't know what's your opinion on this. I mean, we all got opinions on what's going on, but right. I don't think any of us will truly be safe from this until like 90% of the globe is vaccinated and that right. would be happening for three to four years, I bet. So right. I, what can I, I got to go out and either get it or be around people who have it and mm-hmm. maybe get hurt immunity. So I'm kind of the frame of mind. Like before I was like, yeah, let's just stay put and this thing will blow over. But now I'm thinking I, I'm kind of taking Sweden's mentality a little bit. Have you heard mm-hmm. about Sweden? They just were like, no, just be smart about who, what you're doing. And they made restaurants right. like yeah. seat only every other table or something. Right. Um, okay. but, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. This. Yeah. No. So, I mean, my opinion is just like, I, I, what we got to go back and yeah. I don't know what, what to do mm-hmm. um, other than just get out there. I, yeah, I think the Sweden. So like, I think that's kind of what's happening in like, a lot of places in Asia too, but it's like, if people are like civil, Mm -hmm. like you can operate at like, maybe like 70% of what it was, right? I just feel like, I don't know if it's true in America because I haven't been in America in the past like month or so, but 
like they always show the idiots on TV, right? Oh, <laughs> it was like no. all the, so it's like I don't know, like in certain I think in certain places where like the community is overall alert. Yeah. You can probably pull it off, but like it's just like it's just based on the whole community, you know. Yeah. So well, and you got these guys like there was some dude who a, a security guard asked him. I don't know if this this probably wasn't California. It was probably somewhere in the um sorry, I just realized this thing's glaring. It was probably in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. But um he uh a security guard said, Hey, um, before you come in this store, can you put on your mask? Your uh like uh, yeah. uh, and the dude got all offended and then it escalated right. and the dude pulled a gun out and shot the security guard. I don't know if he oh died. My God. But th- see, yeah. that's an American thing. That, right. that nowhere else on planet America. Earth is someone. Yeah. Oh, Colombia! I think we're we're number two to gun violence. We're behind Colombia, uh-uh. right? Nice. So it's Colombia <laughs> and then the United <laughs> States. Yeah. So uh, the, I, I don't know. People are gonna. So the to me the mask thing seems reasonable, right? Yeah. Like that's like okay. Assume we're all sick. If everyone's yeah. sick, what's the only plan we have? The only plan is the face mask. Well, then do we have enough right. face masks? Probably not. We probably mm-hmm. need to make more face masks and make them cheap right. so that everyone can mm-hmm. get a decent one. Right. Um, but yeah, Americans, man, I don't know if we'll put up with that. Yeah. Cause yeah. In Hong Kong right now, they're easing the restriction, the restrictions and stuff, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's because everyone's going out being alert. So that's why it works. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of what Sweden is too. But like, I think, Americans, when Americans hear ease restrictions, they just say, yeah, fuck a mask. Like, like, you know, this is America, you know, like, it's like that. Like, that's not, that's not how easing restrictions work, you know? Like, it only works if everyone's still alert. I know. Well, Hong Kong, they're they're pretty, I've been to Hong Kong once, and I remember Mm -hmm. even at the airport, and this was years ago, this was before um, all of this popped off, they took took everyone's temperature temperature. who was coming in. Right. And I mean, that only happens if you're, I mean, that only helps if you're symptomatic, but it's better than nothing. I mean, it shows alertness and awareness right. that, um, uh, that, uh, you know, we probably won't be able to, we won't, I mean, it's funny. I always tell people this. So I travel outside of the country every once in a while. Mm-hmm. America is the hardest country to get back in with our TSA when mm-hmm. it comes to them just being dicks, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm an American citizen. So every time I come back, it's like mm-hmm. my passport is merit. And for some reason, I always get that TSA agent who wants to be like Inspector Clouseau or something and starts asking me all these random questions, trying to trip me up, you know? Wait, uh, where is this? The getting agent? back into the States. Oh. But going into other countries, like going into Hong Kong, going into UK, yeah. places like that, like it's so welcoming and the agents yeah. are always nice and they ask pleasant yeah. questions, but coming uh-huh. back to America, I would be like, if I'm a person traveling from somewhere else coming in America, I wouldn't even want to come here because our TSA guys yeah. are so bad. But if you also add on to that, them taking your temperature and doing other things, uh-huh. oh, yeah. it's going to be so bad coming back in. Right. Wait, why, why do you think they like asked you, wait, what do you think they're trying to get to the bottom of? I think I don't know. I think I have bad luck and I think they're just trying to catch you up on, you know, what you bought there, Uh what you're bringing back. But I've had it happen to me and I've had it happen to people in front of me where I'm Uh listening to the guys grill the person in front of me. I'm just like, Oh my God, can we? And meanwhile, the line is like a mile long behind us, you know? Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like inconsistent. Like every now and then, it's like, wait, am I smuggling drugs? <laughs> like, yeah. Sometimes they make you think you're actually smuggling. Something's <laughs> like a false. No, that, that's false coercion. <laughs> that no, that's the point I'm trying to make. That's a beautiful yeah. word, false coercion. I feel like sometimes yeah. they're just trying to justify themselves by making you because you know. I don't know if everyone has this. It might have been kind of a Catholic upbringing, but everyone to some extent is always worried they did something wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so once a TSA yeah. guy or federal agent starts asking a lot of questions, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> maybe I did break the law. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's oh man, that's crazy. But um, so tell me about tell me about stand-up comedy in general. How long have you been doing stand-up? I've been doing it for uh three years. I started okay. in New York. So what happened was I moved to New York after college for grad school. And then I guess like, I was like, yeah, like time for a new hobby or whatever. And uh, I had like a stand-up, there's these stand-up classes at the Comedy Cellar and I took that and that's where I started. Oh, I love um, that club. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's like the one. <laughs> that's so. the one. Yeah, so they have classes and there's like a showcase after six weeks where you perform in the actual cellar. Um, so that was like super cool. And then... And then it stuck. Yeah, stuck. I started doing the mics. Um, I think the first year or t- two even was like, it's hard to start in New York, I think, because like no one's going to book you on shows. Yeah, because you're just so brand new, and there's so many good people to book. And yeah. then open mics cost like ten dollars to perform. You're like ten dollars to just yeah, you're like ten dollars because it's like five dollars, and then like you gotta get a drink or yeah. like whatever bullshit. So two years of that, it was, and then and that's when I like suddenly appeared in the South Bay. Nice, and uh, and then that was fun. It was a lot more fun doing comedy there in terms of like my own personal growth. In New York or? Or in the, in the South Bay. Oh, I think we're spoiled space. here. Yeah, I think we're spoiled. I think anytime I talk with someone like yourself who is in a, um, trying to just get mic time in a big market, right? it sounds exhausting, you know? Yeah. And we got enough to worry about just writing jokes and delivering the jokes that if now you're stressing about okay, where's a place I can actually get my, you know, three to five minutes right. to try this stuff out. That's right. a whole nother level of stress that you probably don't need as a newcomer. Yeah. But I probably the good news, and I don't know, tell me your perspective on this. Probably uh-huh. the good news, like you said, you're around so many good stand-ups in New York that that probably rubs off on you, right? Right. Yeah, it's like one of those things that like motivate you, like, wow, this guy's like so, you know, this guy's so good, this joke is so good. Um and it's like it's interesting, like the people I uh when I started out, they were like people that were like good at mics. And it's like, wow, this person is really good. And then like now I look at them and they're like further ahead, like they have like some sort of TV credit or something. Oh, nice. So it's just interesting to see that. And it's like, oh, like this person I did mics with two years ago and now they're on Netflix, you know? Yeah. So like that's that's like the cool part. It shows that things can happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like things, and like they deserve it too, you know? It's not like, yeah. 
just some like stupid, you know, someone just like luck their way into it. You know, it's like, oh, this person put in the work and like something happened out of it. So that's like encouraging, I guess. Do you think there's ever anyone who lucks into stand-up comedy success? Or do you think this is a, this is a craft that 100% you, if you are getting at, at the level of open, um, headlining national clubs or even just right. opening at national clubs, you, you've paid mm-hmm. your dues and you know what the fuck you're doing. Um, Cause I think, I, I don't know. I always say this. I, I think for some reason there are, um, quote unquote showbiz things that you can luck your way right. into. Like for instance, maybe acting, you right. could just get that one role and then the writing is right. perfect for you. And then boom, that's mm-hmm. it. you got a career. I could be, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Maybe I'm wrong on right. that, but it seems like stand up probably, probably everyone who has some kind of um, yeah. national recognition, they probably have put in quite a bit of time, I would think. Yeah, there's always, yeah, I think there's less exception. There's, like, a few people who are just, like, actually just naturally super funny or whatever. I think yeah. the only thing, maybe, like, you know, appearance, I guess. I don't know if that's a lot. That's more just, like, increasing your chances. And that's not, you just, you know, like, oh, like, if someone's hot, they have a better chance. So uh, I wouldn't even call that luck. Um I do think you need to be like a certain level to like receive that luck though. Cause it's like, yeah, you still need to like be on the stage and like entertain people for an hour. But that hour, I can't imagine, you know, yeah. obviously, and I'm so new, I can't imagine how many hours you need to put in before <laughs> you get the hour of yeah. functional jokes, you know? Right. Yeah. Cause like, for me, it feels like there's so many times I go up where I'm just thankful for the 30 seconds that worked right. <laughs> out of right. a five minutes. So I go, wait a minute, if only 30 seconds worked <laughs> and I would need one hour to be a nationally yeah. touring headliner. Right. I think in 40 years, <laughs> I might be ready with enough jokes. I'll pass, I'll pass my jokes on to my kids. Oh my God. That's it. perfect. Yeah. Dude, there's a joke somewhere in there. The premise is that you're inheriting your dad's jokes. Yeah, your dad's half hour. Uh, dad's the other half. Oh man, what it's was? Lifetime. Yeah, what was some of the most important stuff you learned when you were doing your classic comedy cellar? Um, I think uh, I don't know. I don't think like I learned. The technical stuff I learned a little bit just to like mm-hmm. lay it out really like oh like no matter what like comedy still kind of comes down to a few things like it's like you know you can have a misdirection joke and like yeah. no matter how no matter how oh you write it that's still a misdirection joke um yeah. I think yeah we learned very simple structure type things and um I'm trying to think what I've learned from it. Oh no, that's cool. We can we can move on to no big yeah. deal. I probably, cool. if nothing else, it it gave you the confidence to talk with other people and get right. get an understanding yeah. of where I need to go. Because a lot of the thing, I can't speak from any experience. Obviously, I'm I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a rookie, but mm-hmm. I would imagine a big part of the mental barrier that most people have 
is just finding the places to do stand-up comedy. It's not like right. practicing the piano where, okay, I know where to get a piano or right. learning to woodwork. Like I know where to go to a wood shop. It's like, okay, I absolutely 100% have to write something on paper right. or in my head. And then yeah. I have to find that stage somewhere. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Actually, I'd just say like the biggest takeaway was actually giving me the push to do it yeah. the first time. Having the audience there and like, I think having the teacher to like look over your stuff, like, is this gonna land? You know, he'll be like, yeah, yeah this will land. That that like, it's the confidence part. It's probably the biggest takeaway. So, how often do you write? Uh, every single day. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, probably write like probably have at least like five ish bits of premise type stuff come up every day. So it's like a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's really good. What have you been? What have you been doing? I mean, you're I'm I presume you're still working. Are you still working in the shelter place or no? No, I haven't been working for a while. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's right why on. I have time to write. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So what, what, what's been other than, I mean, I know you're doing tons of zoom meetings. Is it just writing and zoom meetings? Uh, writing zoom meetings. I've been learning more like, I've been learning more like businessy type things to try and like grow my show. So like working on like email, email lists, newsletter type stuff, uh, how to like optimize my show. So it like ranks higher when you search it. Oh, I got to learn all of that. I got to learn all of that because this podcast, because I keep podcasting. I'm going, I know there's tricks. (laughs) So much content. Yeah. yeah, There's tricks to actually get you to show up in the algorithm. And I don't know what those tricks are because, (laughs) you know, there are some podcasts. It's like, they'll be on episode two and they will be number five in iTunes. Right. um, Like news, whatever. Right. Category. I'm like, wait a minute. How do you do five episodes? Yeah. Right. I, there's some kind of hack out there. And I just yeah. don't, I don't know what that is. And I probably, it would be wise of me to put some effort in yeah. <laughs> figuring that. I mean, I'm doing the podcasting. I should probably figure out how to, you know, get it out there. Yeah. Cause you have all this like material, yeah. like content that's like there <laughs> already. It's just stagnant, just sitting there, ready to be listened to. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I think that'll pay off. I mean, ultimately, this game is an interesting game, right? Because mm-hmm. let's go back to that thing about how long does it take? How many hours does it take to get one hour? Well, mm-hmm. the bottom line is you need more hours to get one hour. How do you get more hours? You have to be more, um, you have to get more mic time. How do you get more mic time? You get more mic time when either people know they want to book you or people yeah. are showing up to watch you and then bookers yeah. see that you're showing. So it's like right. self-promotion. I don't think yeah. you can get away from self-promotion right. in comedy. I think it's, right. it's, it's really necessary, but the only thing is, is like spending time on that kind of stuff feels a little weird sometimes. <laughs> I mean, for you, you're, you yeah, got a show, like, right? You need I to bring people. Right. And like, I personally don't like to like be all like weird and boasty and stuff, you know? Yeah, me like, neither. I think it's like, anti-comedy. Yeah. Well, it's just like, you kind of have to. You have to. That's a good point. Yep. Yeah, I, I have think, like a private yeah. Instagram and I like 
just don't mention anything. That's like my personal one before I started comedy and just never really talk about, never post about comedy there at all, you know? Yeah. And so, like some of my friends, oh, wait, doing this comedy? <laughs> it's been like three years <laughs> and like, we were just don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm the same way. There's family members who don't even know I'm doing stand up right now. Right. So, so there you go. <laughs> See, yeah. that's where we, that's where we're doing it wrong. We're supposed yeah. to be like shoving in their faces. I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think that's probably another thing that just develops with time. Like you get really comfortable, like, Hey, come see my show because, right. uh, you know, I've been working on it or whatever, but right now right. it's when you're early on, you're kind of maybe sheepish about the whole thing. That's true. Yeah. You don't want to invite people and then you just bomb and you're like, wow, like, it's a piece of shit. Yeah. Good luck, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And that or happens all the time. I bet. That yeah. happens all the, the time. First, the first year in New York was like that. Because it was like the only stage time you could get was like bringer shows. Yeah. You had to like secure six people to like uh. pay fifty dollars each to watch because it's like 20 for the cover and then two drink minimum and then like tax and tip so it's like 50 bucks and the wow. show is like two hours you don't know where you are on the lineup and like you might just go on when the room's all fucked up and you're just yeah. like <laughs> doing your shitty material and it's just like you know what i just thought of uh if you write a memoir about the experience uh -huh. of having to bring people that's like how to lose friends quickly <laughs> Oh, for sure. For, force them to so, come to a bringer show. Yeah. I, I, oh, it came to the point where like I only text friends to, yeah. I realized the last time I texted them was also to ask them to come Oof. to my bringer show. And I had to like, I had to like slip in like hangouts, like maybe like to a bringer show. So I could like, and I like I bought some like friendship collateral. Oh, oh nice. Ask them again. Yeah. So that's, oh my gosh. I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. No, you know what? And uh, that's the one thing I always ask people, um, you know, since I've been doing these zoom ones, like, what do we, what do we got to do to reboot the comedy scene mm -hmm. in the South Bay? And like at the bare minimum, we have to get our open mics back online first. Right because like online internet online no i mean well i mean oh, once really? yeah once we're allowed right. to actually go and do um open mics in person yeah. Uh, yeah. because i would imagine some of these bars aren't going to be open again right right thing um, the car park thing i think the car park thing is pretty viable oh i already so i did i spoke with a couple different um friends from comedy uh -huh. And I have a little PA, like a really tiny, um, it's, it's battery operated, this little uh -huh. PA. And right. it literally, it's like a suitcase. I can just um, roll it around and power it up. So what I'm gonna yeah. do is I wanna try and do just, um, basically like you described, like just get out there and maybe go to um, a crowded part of downtown San Jose or whatever and put yeah. X's. It'll be yeah. the social distancing show, you know? Uh -huh. <laughs> Put yeah. X's where people can stand and just try oh, jokes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I it probably, yeah. I don't know if it'll work, but I, until the bars open, I don't know what our options are. Yeah. I actually want to show you a photo. Um, so like, Kami is opening up in Hong Kong and 
Oh, nice. Someone posted a someone posted a photo of what a comedy club looks like, and it's uh, it's really sad. But oh <laughs> uh, yeah, baby steps, right? It's got to be yeah. sad in the beginning. All Do right, I need I to let you it. share, or can you share? I might okay. I might just not have the photo. I don't have the photo handy. Uh, okay. uh, but basically, it's like yeah. Imagine a comedy club, but it's just like like instead of like a row of like eight chairs or something, there's just two. <laughs> That's that's what so on a like, Monday night. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like an open mic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. But it was like an actual comedy club that looked like that. So, yeah. hey, did you do stand up when you were in Hong Kong? I've done it like twice. I hit up two mics. Um, I don't know. Like, how was it? It's it's fun. So there's like two scenes. There's like an English scene and like a Chinese scene. Okay. So I just did the English one because I haven't written anything in Chinese yet. Um, but it was fun. It was yeah. like, um, I'd say it's like the the type of material is like material that maybe is like topical, like maybe like half a year ago sure. in America, like people were still making like kind of. One more like low hanging fruit type jokes, mm, yeah, which kind of makes sense because there isn't like that many. There's like a few headliners here, but like the scene's not that big in general. Now, when you say writing in Chinese, would you write the jokes in Cantonese or Mandarin? Uh, they'd be in, in Hong Kong. It'd be in Cantonese, and then do you are like you comfortable Mandarin. in both languages, Cantonese uh, and Mandarin? I mean, like, kind of, not really. Oh, okay. But it's like, I mean, I can, like, speak it, but it's, like, obviously, like, comedy is, like, a different yeah language. Right. And it's, like, understanding society, the room, like, other, it's, like, so, you know, it's so much deeper. Like, a lot of fluent English speakers can't do comedy in English, right? So it's, like, right. it's a whole different thing to grasp. Oh, yeah. That sounds mind-numbing to me. And there's little, there's mechanics within the language, right? So supposedly, right. Uh, I've I've heard, I've read from other comics that there's certain sounds like the k sound. Like the reason people mm -hmm. laugh at motherfucker or fucker or uh, cunt or things like, because it's like a... Oh, uh, um, and, and, you know, like who knows what that translation is in other that languages. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because it's like certain... Yeah, that's interesting. Cause yeah, I've translated some of my jokes word for word mm. and said them in Chinese. I was like, this sounds so stupid. <laughs> like, like no one's gonna want to talk to me after this. You know? so yeah, it's, it's been the weird one. Um, oh man, that's okay. I mean, I feel that way about most of the jokes I write. <laughs> oh man, this is bad. But I gotta try. You know what I do? Have you heard that saying? Supposedly Hemingway said this. Mm -hmm. Um, but it it might be another writer who said it. It says, uh, write drunk, edit sober. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, and so with my jokes, I always just whatever stupid thought is in my head, right. I write it down and I go, Oh, I hope, but I don't edit until after I've said it. Right. So it's like it's a drunk guy just spewing nonsense mm, <laughs> into a microphone, and then some of it might land, and then but most of it has to go back and edit, um, or just drop it because it's really yeah. bad. Right. Yeah. 
it's like interesting though. Sometimes like there are premises that like have legs. Like I hear it, I'm like, yeah, that has legs. But like, yeah. Sometimes you're like stuck in the bit. You're like, and like no one reacts or anything. But sometimes like, yeah, that has legs. It's fine. (laughs) Like you know what I speaking of getting stuck. Um, I have multiple stories that to Mm -hmm. me are great stories. And my family, they always loved it when I told these stories. Mm -hmm. I can't get them to work on stage. And so I gave Mm -hmm. up and I gave up on them in like the first three or four months. Cause it was like stuff where Mm -hmm. I go, I don't even have to write this. When I tell this story, people enjoy it, but the people who enjoy it, they know me and they know how I deal in certain scenarios. And so I have things in my um, head that I think are so fantastic Right. But they've never worked. And yeah. it's interesting you said stuck in a bit because I always feel like when I start telling on stage, um, I get stuck on some of the turns or the ups and downs and it doesn't feel rhythmic and it doesn't feel mm-hmm. um, like, I don't know, something about it. It's just weird. And so right. I, I've given up on all of those. But it's it's interesting you say that because I I 100% know exactly what you're talking about when you feel like, oh, yeah. I've gotten stuck in something. But yeah. at some point in my life, I want these things to be told on, on right. stage, but I'm just not there yet. Yeah, part of the process, I think. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's so, it's so weird now because I've talked to some other comics too and like, I talk about how, like, I think I'm at the end of the beginning of, I'm at the end of, like, a beginning comedian. I think that's where I'm at. Oh, interesting. And it's just, like, yeah, it's, like, weird to think back at these things. But it's, like, yeah, like, with more, with more stage time and stuff, like, more stuff becomes, like, you'll know why something didn't land, sort of. You sort of recognize that. Um, So... Like in a way, it gets easier, I think. Oh, it's got it. Hopefully, right? Yeah, in a Actually, way, it gets easier. But how do you go to the next level? You have to figure that part out, right? And but you like the stuff before you struggled with gets easier. Do you think there's any other craft out there that has less um, formulas to follow for beginner? Uh, the roadmap, there is no roadmap, right? right? Do you think it's safe to say comedy has no roadmap? Uh, or do you think there are some rules that all beginners should be following to get to the next level? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think for me, what I realized is like, I think you need to get good first. So that's like the, the open mic phase, however long. For some people, that's like less than a year. You know, for some people, that's like five years or something. Um, but I do think from what I've experienced, I think you need one other thing other than stand-up, whatever that is. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think that's the, that's the only, that's the only like two things I'd say are like oh, yeah. the kind of things you have to follow. But other than that, it's like I can't, funny, I guess. Yeah, I can't imagine only looking like comedy being your whole life, your whole existence. Right. Like yeah. there's got to be something, a job, a family, yeah. uh, another hobby that you're, yeah. because the reason I well, brought that I up. Meant like, I meant like, uh, 
whether that's like screenwriting or like acting or like some some like oh. adjacent one adjacent thing or podcasting like one adjacent thing yeah so I meant, yeah i mean obviously you need to do other things in life yeah <laughs> well no because i was thinking like if you let's say you're not let's say you 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 don't have a gift for even making people laugh in a group right let's say yeah. you hang out with your friend you've been hanging out with your buddies for the last 15 years mm -hmm. right yeah. and never once has anything you said made them laugh and then you go oh i want to do stand-up comedy oh and then you go and do stand-up comedy you're going to have five years of very brutal experiences so right. you better have a hobby of right weaving or crochet or something where you feel yeah. success from time to time yeah because if all you're doing is getting kicked in the teeth day in and day out at open mics right. I, yeah. it's going to be a very uh detriment emotionally detrimental experience for right. you right yeah but, but i like what you said about the adjacent adjacent thing because yeah i've um that's a good point a lot of people yeah. who are doing stand-up are also taking acting classes Right. And then this podcasting thing is like, it's almost like peanut butter and jelly now with comedy. And at first, yeah. when I first started doing it, I didn't understand um, if the two were um, like helped out, but I think they do. Mm -hmm. I think just right. talking with other comics and just trying to figure things out and also riff on shit, I, I think yeah. it does kind of, it, it helps right. out. At least with talking naturally, right? I, I right. think a lot of times when people start podcasting, they think, okay, I got to go in with a radio voice mm -hmm. and then be rigid or follow this format. But really all you got to do is get up there and talk. And I think right. that's, again, I, I'm not in it, the game long enough to say it, but I think with comedy, even if you have a scripted joke, you got to go up there and just talk. Like I'm just talking. Yeah. You can't be a, a, ro a joke robot, like spitting yeah. out um, yeah. premise, punch, premise, punch. It has to be con converse conversational. There we go. So I think if you get on a podcast and just run your mouth for an hour, blah, 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 at least if nothing else, that's getting you used to uh, being in that conversation center in your brain, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. Are you doing any of those adjacent things? Like, were you doing acting or writing? Um, I'd say writing would have to be my adjacent thing. Like, yeah. I mean, now I'm not as Zoom, <laughs> Zoom comedy Zoom. is my adjacent thing now. Yeah, man. But, That's the lifeline for comedy right now. Yeah. Yeah, Zoom's cool. Zoom's the only thing. I think the best thing about it is, like, I can put lineups of people that aren't possible. Oh. In real life. That's the biggest part I'm realizing. Dude, I've been thinking that. I should have been reaching out to, you know, people who were necessarily wouldn't say yes to a podcast. Right three months ago, but now yeah. I, sh I sh but I didn't, I just finished, I'm, you know, I'm going to finish up with everyone I had booked and then fix up my garage. And then by then we'll probably be out of shelter in place, but I should still try and go for, uh, you know, people who are not necessarily in the same, um, yeah. you know, stratosphere as, as I, <laughs> when it comes to expand. Yeah. You might as well. Right. It's yeah. Really Especially with stand-up comedy, because no one's doing it mm -hmm. uh, in the traditional sense. No one's doing it, right? So, yeah. So how many? So let's get into it. How many zooms are you doing per week? And are they open mic? Are they showcase? How are you running it? Uh, I do my shows three times a week. Um, okay. So I do like Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Um, mics, I just kind of do 
I try and do like one new mic a week, but then I have a kind of go-to ones. So okay. yeah, so like the new ones I I do. It's interesting seeing comedy like in like the the not California and New York. Like it is like coastal, but like yeah, this is different in fucking middle America. <laughs> So uh, I'll do those just to like check it out. I'm um, trying to, I'm trying to work a bit with middle America or Midwest, this term Midwest mm-hmm. or middle America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to work on a bit on this because you meet people and sometimes they say I'm from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I Bay area born and raised the Midwest to me is yeah. between Redding, California and Redding, Pennsylvania. Oh, <laughs> like help me yeah. out. Give me some more details here. That's true. Yeah. Why do they say that? Yeah. People say Midwest the way we say like Bay area sort of. Yeah. Like, yeah. But Bay area is somewhat like you get it. You go, Oh, Bay, right. Bay area, California. Oh, okay. San Francisco, yeah. Oakland, San Jose. Yeah. I kind of understand what's going on. Right. But when you say Midwest, I'm like, St. Louis, Detroit, yeah, Ohio, Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the borderline. Well, sometimes I say Bay Area because I don't want people to know I'm not in like San Francisco or Oakland. Oh. And sort of. Because I don't want to say I'm from like Sunnyvale because I don't have like a strong allegiance to like yeah. Sunnyvale, right? Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, why don't you just say... I'm yeah. from... I, so anyway, it's something I'm trying to work out because I always find it funny like... When I, when I hear that from someone, oh, I'm from the Midwest, and then I'm kind of like, I need more details. Say the, I, say the state, say the city. Yeah, that's a large area to say where you're from. That's yeah. <laughs> but when I'm but when I'm traveling abroad, this is right. this is my or anywhere in other parts of America, when they go, yeah. oh, where you're from? Where you from? I do rep San Jose, even though I'm not right. technically Greater San Jose City. Right. I'm, it's like. Yeah. I say San Jose, but then I always follow up and say, it's 45 minutes south of San Francisco. And then they go, oh, right. okay. Right. Because again, California is so huge, right? right. Uh, to say yeah. San Jose, they might be thinking Central California. They might think yeah. San Diego. Or Hollywood. Yeah. Right. And then, oh, and then here's another thing, because I talk with a lot of people outside of state throughout the day. When you say, oh, yeah. I'm from San Jose. They'll do something like, oh, I was in L.A. one time. (laughs) You don't understand. That's like that's like saying, oh, I'm in New York. And then me going, oh, yeah, one time I went to North Carolina. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's a difference. Distance was. Yeah. Yeah. So before you were in New York, were you Bay Area or no? Yeah, I was uh, I went to high school or in the Bay Area. I went to college in Davis. So. It's actually kind of not, yeah. The thing that's, I went to high school with Ashwin actually. Which, who's that? Ashwin Bala. Oh, comic. no shit, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so love that had, guy. He's one yeah. of my favorite guys. I've had him on the podcast twice, but the last time yeah. we broke up, but um, I, I want to get him back in the garage. I really, I like the way that guy thinks. Right. It's like very, uh, and oh, it's like insightful, with, sort of. Like it's insightful. Yeah. And then plus yeah. when you're talking with him, he's one of these guys, like even with comedians, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm feeling out like, are they in joke mode? Are they oh yeah. he's always in joke mode? Like 
Yeah. Every time I'm having a conversation with him, I know he's thinking of the, oh, how can I make, how can I turn this into something ridiculous or funny? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. So we went to high school and I was like, my first, the first mic I did back in the Bay Area was like, he was guest hosting for Pete. Oh, so that so was, just, that must've been at Sodini's. Yeah. So I just okay. kind of ran up and surprised him. Nice. <laughs> I was like, hey, dude. And then he was just like, oh, shit. Oh, and then, cool. yeah. So it's like a cool kind of, it's a homecoming of sorts, I guess. Yeah. When I moved back here to do comedy. Okay. So here's a big question for you then. Yeah. Let's say you put in another three to five years here in the South Bay. You're getting accumulating tons of mic time. You get your Zooms, right. you're going, mm-hmm. and you want to move to a new market. Do you go to mm-hmm. LA or do you go back to New York? Um, I would, I'd probably go to New York uh, just because I, I liked it there so much. Yeah. Um, and also wouldn't do three to five more years in the South Bay. I don't think that's the most productive. Um, <clears throat> but I did hear, I did hear uh, one thing that I think might be true. So someone was like, oh, you should start, start comedy where you are. Uh, move to and move to LA to get famous, which I think has some has some legs to to that. So yeah, yeah, I don't know, but New York is to me is like one of my favorite cities in the world. Oh, me too, one hundred percent. Have think you ever I, thought where you might want to go or like? Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> my I I'm you know, I, I have a wife and kids, so I'm, I'm stuck in, okay, in the bay, right. but okay. Let's just have a, let's just have a dream yeah. <laughs> where Matthew gets to break out. So I would probably, for me, it's New York too, but the, mm-hmm. but here's the big problem. So I like everything about New York adds up. Mm-hmm. I think the funniest people, the funniest standups are right. either, they've either started there, been through mm-hmm. there or mm-hmm. coming through there. Right. Um, and I think that there's something, I, I can never articulate this to people, but New Yorkers know it. Mm-hmm. There's an energy that you get creatively being in that city. Um, just walking around, you get inspired. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't mean just, I'm, it's everything there. Like if you're a writer, if you're a standup, if you're a, a musician, whatever you are, right. I guarantee you, you will feel more inspired there Right. than anywhere else. And I don't know what it is. I, mm-hmm. I can't put my finger on it. Um, but then the, here's the problem. I'm very sensitive about humidity and cold. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I know I could take uh, 365 in LA, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Right. A weekly yeah. could take a year. That's in. True. But in New York, I would, you know, in the winter, I'd be wearing my big puffy clothes. And in the summer, right. I'd be... And so that's <laughs> yeah. the only thing where I would be like, and also New York, there's no relief for uh, like affordable living, you know, like in LA, you could drive 45 minutes South, north, right. uh, yeah. East, whatever. And you can get some relief on rent, uh-huh. yeah. but New York, you got to go upstate before things yeah. are affordable. Um, right. But, but if you just, family, right. yeah. So <laughs> I think, if I just look at it ideally, what's the ideal thing? Then 100%, it's New York. And mm-hmm. it's 
so you went through the comedy seller school. I, I could say probably with a fair amount of confidence that I wouldn't do stand up if it weren't for comedy seller, because mm-hmm. I was in New York a couple years back. I don't know. I want to say maybe three years back now. And um, we were just take. I wasn't for business and everything. Me and the wife and kids were just taken in the city. And so at night, I would sneak out and go to the comedy clubs. <laughs> nice. Um, and I think after going to the cellar, I, I left and I was just like, "Fuck, I got to try stand up," because it just looks like so much fun. And I was obviously, you know, very naive about the process mm-hmm. and what it took to be good and this, that, and the other. But mm-hmm. like, I got to try. It. And when I came back, I looked up open mics, San Jose, right. and then I came across Woodhams. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, the rest is the rest is history. So, I, yeah, I think I owe New York for uh, me actually doing stand-up comedy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's the yeah. I think a lot of people kind of that's how people start too. They just see something, they see a really good show, and they're just like, "Yep, I can do that." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? Who are some of your comic inspirations? Com- comedic inspiration um say right now there's a josh johnson he, he and i uh, something i kind of look up to okay gerard carmichael um i don't know those are the two i usually say but i usually okay. try and like usually the more kind of like deadpan ish like lower energy type guys sure kinda where i look to for like inspiration and stuff. The dryness. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of <clears throat> cool. More relatable. Yeah, it's definitely I'm starting to notice the different styles of everyone. Before I just grouped it as, oh, stand up is stand up, but there's definitely <laughs> different ways to be delivering right. your message. And the dry yeah. the dry kind of deadpan delivery is another thing that is yeah. uh you know an interesting style. I feel like I've lost some of the dryness though from like having to host three times a week. <laughs> so like, so now right. I'm like, oh, blah, 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 blah. how's everyone going? Do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I was never that guy, you know. But yeah, I have to force myself to do it. Uh, you know, that's interesting. Does a host need to have high energy? Hmm. Like I could easier s- to it's easier to be a high energy host. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that could be, especially if the room is kind of dying or getting falling asleep. You know, you probably want to get out there and smack them in the face a little bit. Yeah, I can just come on and be like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" (laughs) (laughs) You know what's great about the dry delivery is I think it does force people to pay more attention. Yeah, I think so. I think that happens because. They kind of have to be quiet and go, okay, what's going to happen? Right. And then, and then right. boom, you get them on that, yeah. get them on punch. Has there ever been a time where you gave up on a joke? In the first place. What's that? Have you ever given up on a joke or when you have something, do you try to work on it until it's where you want well, it like, to be? Like mid, mid set or like. No, 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 no. I just mean, <laughs> like I was t- talking about the stories, mm-hmm. how I give, I've given up on two or three of my stories. Right. Um, have you ever given up on a joke after trying it a couple times? Um, or what's your policy on jokes? Do, do they have like a three strikes and they're out? Yeah, I've heard that. I think I think Coral was the one that told me that one. The three strikes. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
I usually try it by myself a few times and then I have a few like writing groups I do. I'll like bring it there okay. once or twice. And then even if, if there's nothing, if you get like five comedians to stare at a premise and still be like, there's nothing there, then I'm like, all right, uh, this is over. But wait, how can you trust the writing group? So what do you look for in a writing? Cause I haven't joined a writing group and I'm like, what if, what if they don't know how to make something work? Yeah. What if I noodle on it, I can make it work. So how do you pick a writing group? I think there's a kind of natural, it, I think na- the writing groups just kind of naturally form. You can't really. Yeah, like, that's a good point. It. The ones I've forced have just after a week, it's like, this is not going to work. Yeah. Um, so you naturally seek out people who have like similar sense of humor. Got it. Like understand your sense of humor. Um, and then it, it takes a while to like build the trust and like understanding like, Oh, like, like, so some people like the first time they write with me, like, Oh, you should do an act out. And then my friend's like, yeah, Jordan doesn't really do act outs. Mm-hmm. So it's just like stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think trust and consistency. Cause one I've been doing, I've been doing for like, maybe like a year and a half now. And it's just three people. Ooh. Yeah, see, that's good. So if it's like three buddies and you think and you think each person in the group is funny, like you respect what they're doing, that's probably a really good writer's group. Yeah, so that helps. Have you been have you been to like uh the first or I think Jorge used to have one sometimes? No, I have done zero writers group. You know why? Um, this is probably a reflection on my personality, and it's probably something Mm -hmm. I need to improve on. Mm -hmm. Um so everything I do in life. Mm-hmm. I take notes on, meaning right. if someone critiques what I've just done, mm-hmm. I accept, um, I, I go, okay, let me think about it. Let me consider it. Right. And again, in context, I've only been doing stand-up for a year and a half, but mm-hmm. I've had so many people come up to me and say, hey, put this tag on that mm-hmm. or try doing this. Not And non-comedians too. You know how people mm-hmm. in the audience just come up, hey, yeah, that yeah. one was really funny. <laughs> you should also do this. And that's a bad advice. <laughs> yeah. And so far, and this is from comics, from comedians, I've gotten three like really, really good tags. Uh-huh. Three really good tags from um, my like close friends in the scene. Uh-huh. And they let me use those tags. And so that was technically kind of a writer's workshop, but overwhelmingly, the feedback I get in in my jokes from both comics and unfortunately audience people mm-hmm. is I, I don't want their feedback. <laughs> like they'll tell me something. And I'll go, oh, yeah, I'll think about it. And I go, that's not the direction I want to go. At yeah, all. that's true. The direction thing's a big thing too. Yeah. Oh, another thing is like, I've, I've like paid for help too. And like recently I did once cause just cause I knew someone who was like a writer and like a oh. Netflix show and I realized they're offering the service. So I just bought my like Titus five and I was just like, what can, what can you do? So I feel like, I don't know. There's like no shame. And like, you kind of decide what is and isn't yours, you know? Yeah. So even then, yeah. Well, generally like speaking, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think I need to change my attitude and I need to pick, I need to pick a couple buddies to to start writing with because Mm -hmm. um, generally speaking, having more than one person look at anything and it could be anything in life, right? 
you could be fixing yeah. your garage like a you could resume be, or yeah, res- anything yeah. whatever it's better to have one or more people that you trust and you respect mm-hmm. right. uh, look at it and it will it will be better for it um but i took i've been taking comedy as like no it's mine and i don't want yeah. anyone's fingerprint on it mm-hmm. and but i think that's mm-hmm. not the right attitude to have um this early in the game yeah yeah we're all still learning so yeah definitely do you have any good uh we'll we'll wrap it up we're coming up on an hour here i don't want to take up mm-hmm. too much of your time i'm sure you, you probably have a mic tonight right mm-hmm. so uh oh. one one last question for you um mm-hmm. do you have any good heckler stories um, I don't know. Here's thing. I don't really get heckled that much either. Oh, um, nice. But I guess the one, the, the for audience interaction, I guess. That's yeah. I'll answer this. The strangest was like the first time I did Rooster Teeth Feathers. There was like this like older super drunk couple like came up to me after and just like were like super horny or whatever and i was with my friend and my friend was like yeah they totally want to have a threesome with you and like the lady like put her number on my how do we like find out more about you or whatever oh my god and i thought i thought she wanted to follow my instagram or whatever it's like giving her all my social medias it's just like how about i just give you my number Um, with like her like nickname I think her name was like Connie or something but she put in this Con Con and I was just like oh gosh wait uh, how Jordan so your heckle story is that you were almost you almost got laid okay but that's that's like the best heckle story ever but it's like it wasn't someone I wanted to yeah so okay that's yeah, why it's like you know if it was yeah, yeah, yeah. if they were hot like i wouldn't <laughs> even be telling you i just be like yo like once i had this threesome like it was amazing yeah uh, so because oh, they weren't man. hot it's a it's a heckle <laughs> yeah no i get it man yeah. i totally get it yeah yeah so speaking my, of which how, how do people follow you and then how do people get access to your shows oh uh, yeah so my instagram is a uh, 69 ranch uh, to play on the yeah. Asian supermarkets. Yeah. And then I'm you can, uh, yeah. And then, oh, it's the condiments. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, the condiments. My, uh, yes. Yeah. And then my uh, show you can find at nopantscomedy.com. That'll take you to a sweet no sign up link to like to access the Zoom shows. Dude, that's awesome. You actually got a URL and everything. Yeah, so that's... Sweet. Oh, this is cool, dude. Nice. Right on. Well, Jordan, you have yourself a great afternoon. And um, be safe, my friend. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll be bumping into each other at Mike's in no time. If not, I'll be be joining some of your Zoom meetings here in the next couple weeks because... Like I said, I was, I was just like, I'm just going to relax. And now it's two, two months in and I better stop relaxing and start telling some jokes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Right on dude. Yeah. I hope I get to see you in real life again soon. I know (laughs) me too. Everything's, everything's works out, I guess. I know. I can hope for. Yeah.
Right on, dude.